Locked on NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network host. Today, we will go to Los Angeles to speak with Anthony Irwin of Locked On Lakers about the Lakers making it into the Western Conference Finals. We go to Miami to speak with David Ramil of Locked On Heat about Miami and their upcoming West Eastern Conference Finals matchup against Boston. And we also go to Boston to speak with John Corrales about the Boston side of that matchup. It's all coming up. The biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi guys, and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and the Locked On AFL Podcast, and I am the lead analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. We are almost down to the final four teams in the NBA, just one series to go before we get that answer. But let's look ahead to the next round with the three teams that have qualified. That's what we're going to do in today's show which, by the way, is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your next order. So let's get to it. Now, it's uh, Anthony Irwin of Locked On Lakers here with me to talk about the only team at the moment that's in the Western Conference Finals. The Lakers easily dispatched the Houston Rockets four straight wins, including a 23-point blowout in Game 5 after losing Game 1. Very similar to the way they handled uh, round one against the Portland Trailblazers, Anthony. So now the Lakers can kick back for a few days. It's nice. They're they're getting a nice extended vacation in Orlando, just kind of sitting back and and uh, they don't have the rot the, the Lopez brothers taking all of the rides and, and enjoying all of the entertainment there any longer, or the, the Lopez brothers uh, taking taking all of the the fun away from everybody. So. Uh, the Lakers are just there waiting for now a game seven between the Clippers and Nuggets. And and uh, I said this yesterday on Twitter, but this is the first time I would say all season that I think the Lakers are probably uh, considered the, the out and out favorites to win the championship. Yeah, you'd feel like they're comfortable favorites. They had a, a matchup which I thought might be a challenge against the Rockets, given the way that some of the regular season matchups went. And then game one, yeah, it sort of tilted that way. But the Lakers, what was the change? Was it just the Lakers saying, well, JaVale, you're, you're done. You're out of the rotation. Dwight, you're out of the rotation. And let's actually run with our players who are better and more suited to these sort of games. Um, you're giving more minutes to, to Markev Morris starting him. Um, you're running more of Caruso and uh, and Gasp, Rajan Rondo in uh, in lineup. So what was that change, you reckon, from game one moving forward? And is that sort of thing sustainable if it's against the Clippers or the Nuggets in the next round? I think what it kind of comes down to was the Lakers, I thought, and I kind of understood the the approach. I think the Lakers thought that they were going to impose their size on Houston by playing, you know, uh, JaVale. I think they knew pretty early on that Dwight wasn't going to be able to play in this series, uh, but they tried to get away with JaVale. And then I think what they realized, and I think what everybody kind of realized was, wait, the Lakers can kind of go small, but still be significantly bigger because Anthony Davis can still be able to hang on the court with the speed that would surround him out there. And that wound up being the difference because, you know, once the Lakers made that adjustment because of the way Houston's roster is put together and because of how dogmatic uh, D'Antoni can kind of be with his rotations and because 
quite frankly, some of the holes in James Harden's game, uh, there just wasn't anything Houston could do to adjust to that adjustment. And I think you saw, I would say, probably in that fourth quarter of game two, the Lakers kind of figured them out. And from that point on, they were just, I, I, I felt, and, and, you know, biases have to be acknowledged here, but I felt like the Lakers were just the better team. I think that's there's no doubt about that, but it does now. Yeah, ask me. Or I ask a number of questions about what's going to happen with this team in the next round because yeah, you can move McGee and Howard out of the rotation. You can play a lot of minutes of Rondo, and it did work against this Houston team, which is a unique squad in the NBA. But now you either take on the Nuggets with the best big man or best center. Yeah, if we're going to include Davis as a forward, the best center in the league in Nikola Jokic, or you're going to go up against a team chock full of wings like Kawhi and Paul George and Marcus Morris is playing a lot with the Clippers, one of those two teams. So, yeah, what does that mean? Do we get back to that heavy dose of, you know, 40 minutes or 35 minutes of the game being taken up by Howard and McGee at center? If it's against uh, you know, Jokic, do we run small again? Does Rondo get this sort of play if he has to be out there and potentially getting cooked by George and Leonard? Like, how does that rotation move? How long do you think Vogel is... Because he was pretty proactive in this series against Houston. Does he just make that mm-hmm. change immediately in game one and say, well, here we are. We've got these big men we've got to throw in. So the rotation changes again, and we get JaVale starting. We get 20 minutes of Dwight. How do you see those rotations changing depending on the opponent? Well, I think we'll start with Rondo uh, because I think that was kind of the biggest surprise uh, <laughs> in the no, playoffs no so far. Um but I think with Rondo, I think what has to be acknowledged is that Houston was actually a really good matchup for him because Westbrook is, for some reason, a worse player, was a, was a worse player in that series. And I think it's, you know, with, with Rondo out there, if you put him on Westbrook, he can play that kind of rover role that he prefers to play on defense that allows him to, you know, dive in for steals and not necessarily pay too close attention to rotations. Um, he can play far enough off of Westbrook to where he's not going to get cooked all the time, but there is no Russell Westbrook on either of these teams. Uh, Patrick Beverly is a much better shooter. So you have to pay attention to where he is on the court. Now, Beverly isn't going to cook you from the perimeter in the way that like Jamal Murray would. So I, I think you might still get some Rondo in a, in a Clippers series, uh, Denver, though, if Denver wins, I'd be a little more nervous about Rondo because Murray is playing the best basketball of his life. And, uh, you know, you have Monte Morris backing him up and he is somebody that you have to still pay attention to on on the basketball court and he can go by Rondo. So like that pair of guards there would really worry me. And then from the big standpoint, I think against Denver, the Lakers can kind of get away I, I still think you're going to get a lot more Davis at the five minutes, no matter who they play next, because the Lakers have really realized at this point, yes, this is when we are by far our best as a team, especially given the way that Markeith Morris is playing. Uh, but but I think against Jokic, you can throw Dwight out there a little bit. JaVale really seems to struggle with Jokic uh, just because he's so big, Jokic is, that he just he can't be moved. And, and JaVale is long, but he's not very big. Dwight can Dwight can kind of hold himself up uh, physically. And then in, against the Clippers, I think with the big situation there again, Davis is going to be the biggest advantage I think in the series. And whether or not 
he takes full advantage of it is going to be interesting. I, I think the Clippers also have an interesting kind of dilemma here with Mark, uh, Montrez Harrell and Ivica Zubats. Zubats has been the, the better player. And Trez ha- is kind of a little bit more highly renowned. So how do you handle that in a locker room that we've already seen have some issues over the course of the season? So uh, I think for no matter what the matchup is between the Lakers and either Denver or the Clippers, uh, there are going to be serious questions to be answered on, on either side of that equation. Well, it is pretty exciting times for Laker fans back in the Western Conference Finals for the first time in a long time. Affirming as championship favorites, really, really massive chance for the team to win another title. Anthony, you're going to have all of the Lakers action covered for us over on Locked On Lakers in the coming weeks. So thank you for coming on Locked On NBA with me. Of course, man. Anytime. This was this was a lot of fun. Crazy time in the NBA. Rajon Rondo, playoff Rondo is a real thing. Who knew? <laughs> Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. We can obviously just brush it off saying, oh, you know, it's a hard day. I'm stressed. I'm tired. I've lost my mojo. Sorry. Just, uh, just it's, it's never happened before. But these excuses don't always work and they're not always accurate. It is hard to talk about. But now with Roman, it's easier to talk about. In fact, it's not even easier. It is easy with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. Guys, I used to be a pharmacist. I know all about these medications, and I can tell you now, they work. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. This healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if the medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you free with two-day shipping. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA today and complete your online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of erectile dysfunction treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. Now we go to the Eastern Conference, and we're going to be looking at the Eastern Conference Finals matchup here. And we'll start with the Boston side of things. John Corrales of Locked On Celtics is here with me to tackle this uh, Eastern Conference Finals between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. First question for you, John. Gordon Haywood, is he going to be ready for Game 1 on Tuesday? Probably not Game 1. Um, the, he did get onto the court uh, in practice. He did some what Brad Stevens characterized as very light drills didn't do anything with the team necessarily. Um, and he was doing some individual work afterwards. Brad Stevens said that he anticipates Gordon Hayward uh, returning at some point, but did not say when. I wouldn't expect it for game one, but I wouldn't expect it to be too long uh, into the series either. So that's obviously great news for the Celtics and their chances if Haywood does return. But the team was uh, was rolling pretty strong before before that with uh, the play of guys like Tatum and Brown and Marcus Smart really stepping up. So not that there's really a chance of Haywood you know, messing with that, that chemistry, but in terms of easing him back in after a pretty significant ankle injury, is there some concern as to how that might you know, not mess the rotations, but maybe throw a little bit of the balance out? Uh, I don't think anybody's concerned about that. I, I don't think they should be. Uh, they know how to play with one another. They they were going pretty good in the bubble wh- when they were playing together. The, the only question really is, how, how's his cardio? And I, I think Brad Stevens would probably want to start 
Gordon Hayward, but if he can't really play playoff minutes, it's going to be hard for him to, to have four weeks off and come back in and play 40 minutes in a game. They may decide to at least start him off coming off the bench. Now, it, it also depends on has their starting lineup worked against the Miami Heat? Has, has having Marcus Smart in the starting lineup, has that provided enough of a boost? Has that provided enough matchup issues with, with Miami that uh, they have a, a, a 2-0 lead or if it's 1-1 and, and, and it's not the matchup set that ended up becoming the reason why they lost? So they may just decide, hey, let's ease him in. Let's keep him off the bench. And instead of messing with our starting lineup, that means just less Wanamaker, less Shemi Ojale uh, in, in that. So uh, I don't think it's going to mess with their rotations. And I think at this point, Gordon Hayward is very easy. He'll, he'll do whatever it takes to win. I think that's where that question yeah, probably should go is, is to how that starting lineup has looked with Marcus Smart in there because he was amazing in the Toronto series. Like He was a key player and probably a key reason why they won at least one of those games, if not you know, two of them, um, and how he fits with the Tatum and Brown combination there on the wing. Is there an argument to be made that you know, regardless of, of Haywood's health and as he eases back in, that Smart actually playing those minutes in that role with those other guys maybe works out better for this team? Yeah, there's certainly an argument. Uh, he's he's obviously I, I would say that he was probably the MVP of that semifinal series. Just his ability to not just defend, which we know the 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 defense is is obviously first and foremost with him, but the playmaking and even some of the shooting that that he displayed. I, I don't think that it's wrong to think like, hey, they they might be able to uh, get away with this, or they might be able to be better like this. Uh, Gordon Hayward going to the bench is actually something that's been floated before considering his ability to pass and handle. He can come in and be a basically a big point guard and and kind of play a similar role to what Marcus Smart was doing off the bench. So if that's how it works out, you can you can make a very solid case for for that to be how they approach it. So in terms of how this team matches up against Miami, how, how's the regular season matchups looked? And is there anything to take away from those matchups as we head into the playoffs? Obviously, rotations differ. Players are different the way that the things are being uh, done and the pressure of a, a playoff environment is different. But is there anything we can take away from those regular season matchups? You know, I actually think that there's not much that you can take from those matchups. But I mean, there's going to be some that, you know, obviously every player that they have has, has shown some tendencies and there are certain things that you can you can take from them and some of their you know strategies and and how they want to play some of their defenses. But the addition of Jay Crowder, the addition of Andrea Iguodala, wasn't just like okay, that's a, that's a good move at the moment. They actually had the benefit of the hiatus to get acclimated to learn plays. They're, they weren't learning on the fly. Normally, I would say. It would be tough to integrate those two guys and you know, go through March and April and then get into the playoffs. I think it would have been a much different story. To have those months of study and then come back and have a training camp and have seeding games to kind of get back into things, I think that has all benefited Miami a lot. So we're seeing a, a, a different Miami team that's starting out of bio at the five that's got Jay Crowder as a starter who's defending very well and shooting like he did back when he was with Boston. I think, I think this is a much different Miami Heat team. So, yeah, you pull what you can from those regular season games, but so, 
so much of what they're doing is different that I don't know that you can really take a lot. So we talk about um, you know, your matchups, and you've mentioned Bam Adebayo uh, for Miami, who's now their starting center, who played a lot of power forward earlier in the season, or you can say he was power forward. We played with another big for big chunks of the season with either Kelly Linick or Myers Leonard, and that hasn't been the case as much in these playoffs. We've seen Brad Stevens make adjustments. Series one, round one against Philadelphia, it was an Ennis Cantor backup series. Round two against Toronto, it was a Robert Williams backup series uh, with Daniel Tice starting, of course. There, so how do we look at this in terms of the big man matchups a- against Bam? We're going to try and get as much out of Tice as possible, but what do they do in those backup minutes against Bam? Like, is it is it a Cantor series? <laughs> is it a Williams series? Is it a, a Grant Williams at center series? Uh, you know that that's going to be the money question. I don't know what that answer is. To be honest with you, I don't think it's a Cantor series. I think that he. Uh, He'll get attacked on pick and rolls, and, and, and maybe Cantor could come in and provide some kind of spark on the offensive end. But I think whatever, whatever he gives Boston offensively, he gives back defensively. So I don't, I don't know that that's exactly how I would want the, uh, Brad Stevens to go. Uh, behind Tice, they may it, – it's a tough choice because of what Bam Adebayo does. He's, he's – Big enough to shoot over to the top of Grant Williams. He's strong enough to kind of go through Robert Williams. So there's no real good answer there. Um, they they may just float the test balloon and see who can who can guard him. Who can who's got it that particular day? And you you kind of roll the dice. And and frankly, if I'm looking to pick a poison, I'm saying let not let Bam out of bio, but if anybody's going to beat me in this series, it's going to be Bam out of bio taking a bunch of shots because that takes away from their, their very dangerous three point shooting. It takes away from Jimmy Butler getting into a rhythm. I'd rather see the Celtics have Bam out of bio, put up 25 shots with the way they're defending him and see if that is enough to get the rest of the team out of rhythm than overreact to out of bio and, and really, send too many guys over to help and then let some of the three point shooters get open. So I don't know what the answer is for Bam, but I don't think the Celtics should uh, go too crazy trying to solve that problem because they've got other bigger problems on the floor. Yeah, those are the bigger problems here. Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, yeah, Jay Crowder and his shooting. There's a lot in this series to look forward to. And John, you're going to have it all covered for us from a Boston perspective over on Locked On Celtics in the coming days. So thank you for coming on Locked On NBA with me. You got it, man. Anytime. Are you looking for the best tasting protein bar ever? Because you don't need to look any further because you have found it. Built Bar is back. The best tasting protein bar you will ever find. The one that tastes just like a candy bar is back. And they are back with six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp to go along with their 12 original flavors. These bars are all covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. And they're great if you're looking to lose weight, looking to maintain your weight while you're hitting the gym, lifting weights. These are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein bars. The Coconut Almond Bar, 18 grams of protein and just 180 calories and only 5 grams of sugar. Doesn't get any better than that. Or maybe it does because Cookies and Cream has 17 grams of protein and only 130 calories with 4 grams of sugar. These are the best tasting. But you won't believe eating these bars, how good they taste, and think, geez, they only have this many calories. It really is an absolutely... uh 
incredible feat that the guys at Built Bar have pulled off. So when you go to BuiltBar.com and you're looking for these best tasting protein bars ever, the treat that is uh, good for you and feels like you're being uh, being a little bit naughty, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 10 bucks off your next order. That is the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. And now to look at the other side of the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Heat podcast. David Rumel is here with me. Miami's had a little bit of time off uh, at the moment. David just waiting for this series to start. We're a couple of days away from it now. Um, how's the how's the general feeling amongst Heat fans about how this matchup's going to go down? I asked John this question, so I'll ask you this question as well. Do you think there's anything indicative from the regular season matchups between these two teams as to how this playoff series can go down? I had a concern about how they'd stop Kemba Walker and obviously they have some, some great wing depth over there with the Celtics. But at the same time, you look at the matchups, all three of them, they included some very key losses from Miami side of things, or in some cases they were just prior to the trade acquisition of Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala. So those are very, very different teams. I just, I don't know what to take of those three games. There are points of attack issues especially on the miami side of things with the with being able to contain walker that are some concerns of mine but i'm not sure how miami's versatility the fact that they've changed their defensive coverages because they have jay crowder starting all those things change how they'll be able to limit kemba walker in particular so i don't think that we can take anything away from those though those are concerns that kind of overlap but at the same time i'm not sure if miami's able to respond just yet my feeling is that they will adjust and make some kind of changes to their defensive coverage to some degree. But uh, the personnel is so different from the previous matchups that it's very hard to take anything away from it. Yeah, that's basically what John said as well, is that having these Iguodala and Crowder into that Miami lineup does change things quite a bit. The the other thing that's also changed with Miami's rotation is the big man situation because we had Myers Leonard starting um, instead of Jay Crowder. Um, Yeah, Bam Adebayo's moved more to center. We have Tyler Hero playing a significantly larger role now for the Heat. Now, there's been plenty of teams that have changed their you know, rotations up based on uh, opponents. We've seen the Lakers do it against Houston. We saw Boston do it with their backup center against Toronto versus round one against Philadelphia. Do you think that Miami's rotation here is going to change any versus what we saw against the Bucks? We got a lot of Kendrick Nunn for some reason in the last game there, which he'd been sort of an afterthought. Would there be any real change to how this rotation looks? I can't imagine that there will. If anything, I'd say maybe there might be a slight uptick in minutes for Derek Jones Jr., particularly if Goran Dragic gets in trouble and there's going to be a need for an extra defensive stopper to perhaps limit some of their wing depth. Uh, you Obviously, Derek Jones is a better defender than he is a scorer, so there's some issues there as far as his ability to contribute from the, beyond the perimeter in particular as a lob threat as well. But he, his defense is pretty good, and I think Miami feels comfortable trotting him out there as an additional wing defender. So maybe there's a slight uptick there. Uh, Kendrick Nunn's minutes have been so inconsistent. I don't know that you can actually take anything from what happened over the first two series because he didn't play mostly against Indiana. Then he got some more minutes against the Milwaukee Bucks. But even that series was so atypical of everything regarding Spoh's rotation. So I I don't see that there's going to be much of a change other than perhaps a few less minutes for Nunn and a few more minutes for Derek Jones Jr. What do we make about Duncan Robinson, who was playing a lot of minutes in the regular season, 30, 32, 33 minutes a night. 
And that sort of has dropped in the playoffs with Tyler Hero consistently getting more playing time. And then in game five against the Bucks, Robinson played only 14 minutes after playing 36 the game before. Where is his position here? Is it his defensive problems that are causing the issue? Are they going to throw him out there and have to guard one of Brown or Haywood if when he returns or, or, or Tatum or Walker? Um, is it going to be a series where Robinson struggles a little bit again and we get more of Tyler Hero in that scenario? Well, I think the issue was that Milwaukee was so effective in limiting Duncan's offense. He only had one game where he had any kind of significant impact offensively. And other than that, yes, as you pointed out, he is going to be targeted on the defensive side of things. So he's somewhat limited as far as his overall impact. He is a great decoy on offense. Obviously, he's going to have a lot of gravity where he's going to draw multiple defenders. But if his shot isn't falling as consistently or in the case against Milwaukee where they had somebody specifically targeting him where they were limiting the kind of space he gets and he couldn't work that dribble handoff of Bam that's been such a big part of his offensive repertoire there's no need to have him out there because he is mostly a one-dimensional player at this point whereas his hero he's more I think gifted as a playmaker he's a good dribbler he can create off the bounce he doesn't need to have space created for him because he is so good at making his own shot and by extension he's developed after the hiatus the ability to make plays for others so that's why i think you get much more minutes for hero than you have for robinson especially in the case of uh against milwaukee where you have somebody specifically limiting robinson and shielding him almost 100 percent of the time i don't think that we're going to see that against boston i think uh, and having spoken to john as well it seems that they're more likely to constantly switch things, which kind of changes the way they target Robinson or limit his touches on the offensive side of things. So I wonder whether or not he's going to be able to get a little bit more space. And and talking with Robinson today and asking Eric Smolstra specifically about how to get Duncan a, a few more open looks, he mentioned that it's just a, con- a constant effort to try and get him better looks, continue to do the work, and, and see if maybe you get lucky and ha- hope you know a couple of those shots start falling down and that Duncan's confidence starts to build from there because he can get a little bit into his own head if he doesn't if he misses those first couple of shots you kind of start to see him be less aggressive not looking for the ball as much and they need him to have a big game because he is so dynamic as a scorer that he, he just makes things so much easier for everybody else in the Miami side of things this team is you know not inexperienced necessarily but in terms of getting this far in the playoffs like their their leaders haven't been this far you know Jimmy Butler had never been to a conference finals but they've got players like you know Andre Iguodala of course with massive playoff experience do you think that there is uh, any concern with the perhaps yeah, the, the the lack of playoff uh, depth experience with guys like Butler and Adebayo pushing into this area, or is this just such a unique scenario with the way they're played in the bubble, with the whole scenario, with the whole bubble situation in general that that sort of gets thrown out the window? Yeah, I think it's more of the latter. I think they've shown. If I maybe if you had asked me this question before the book series, I might have answered differently. But the way they responded to Milwaukee and beating them so handily, I know a lot of that has to do with Miami's roster construction and everything else. But they just seem like they're built for this whole experience. And I know that kind of gets overblown with the whole heat culture and everything else. But their focus has been so singular on trying to win a title from as soon as the hiatus began, they kept doing as much work as possible. Unlike other teams that took months off in between, you didn't see that from Miami. They were able to get in as much work as possible as quickly. You know, Jimmy Butler buying baskets for all of the, the players on the roster, all these kinds of things. They just, they're so committed to the work. I don't think they have any issues regarding lack of experience. And as you pointed out, Iguodala, Haslam, both those guys have been so good at, at just kind of helping prep the younger players like Robinson, Nunn, uh, even out of bio to some extent, you know, helping them 
understand the adjustments that are necessary, not just from a physical perspective, but certainly from a psychological one. And they've just, they've looked much more prepared and accepting of this whole scenario than I would have ever dreamed possible. It's going to be an awesome Eastern Conference Finals, David. You're going to have the Miami perspective for us over on Locked on Heat. And thank you for coming on Locked on NBA today. Always a pleasure. And that'll do it for another episode of Locked On NBA. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble and go check out the team pods if you want to hear the Miami, the Boston, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets perspective of whatever's happening here in the rest of the NBA season. We have individual podcasts for all of those teams. Subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify. And a five-star review on Apple Podcasts would be awesome, guys. Thank you so much for listening. See ya.